Well, good morning. Welcome to Friendship Community Church. Happy Easter. Uh, as we celebrate every Sunday, uh, Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, is risen, and He is still risen. And later today and tomorrow and the rest of our days, we serve a living God and a living Savior. And so we're really excited that you would join us this morning in our first of two services that allows us to uh, spread out and uh, worship God in uh, this way collectively uh, on this Easter Sunday morning. Uh, this is going to be, as is par for the course this past year, this is going to be a probably a very different Easter service than you've encountered or imagined uh, going forward in your life or that you've ever experienced before. It's not going to be different in these ways. We're going to read an account of the resurrection from Scripture. We're going to uh, learn more about who God is and who we are, and we're going to pray and we're going to sing. Uh, we're just going to do it in some different ways this morning. And so um, as a template for this morning, uh, we're using an acronym that uh, we often use here at Friendship, and it, the acronym is TEXT, T-E-X-T, and that's going to be the format for this morning. The first T stands for talk to God. Instead of just going to Scripture and looking at the Bible as a history book or a textbook or a literary work, uh, that is just words on a page or pixels on a screen, we are going to first talk to God and pray to him that he would open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to the truths that are in Scripture. Because many people, uh, many brilliant minds across history have looked to study God's Word without any reference to that they need God through His Holy Spirit to illuminate, uh, to illuminate our minds and our hearts. It's almost like when you read a book at, at bedtime and there's no lights on in the room because your brother or sister, you share a room with them, or you have a spouse and, and they want the lights off. It's hard to read a book without light. And that's what, how spiritual in nature the bible is we need the light of the holy spirit to understand god's word and to have the holy spirit use god's word to penetrate our hearts for where we're at in our spiritual journey so first we're going to talk to god and then we're going to uh, read the scripture and encounter god because god is alive and he speaks through his word so we're going to encounter god and encounter what he says about who he is and then encounter what he says about humanity, who we are. So many of the stories of Scripture involve us, people, humanity, and it's not always flattering. But sometimes there are lessons, positive examples that we can learn from Scripture, but they usually all point back to how good and who God is and how good he is and how great he is. And so we're going to encounter, that's the E in text, we're going to encounter God and what God says about humanity. And then 
it's time to, after that, it's time to take that encounter with God and we're going to look at our own lives, look at how the Holy Spirit may be speaking to us through those scriptures and those truths, and we're going to examine our hearts. X, examine. Yes, the E is silent, so we're going to X, examine our hearts, and then after that time of application and examining our hearts, we're going to then talk to God again uh, through our confession, through our commitment on how we're going to live out those truths this week and this afternoon even, and also how we're going to talk to others. So T-E-X-T, and uh, here to help me with that today is our teaching pastor, Andy Hale, and so he and I are going to switch back through that acronym and kind of team lead us through the morning. And the fun part of the encounter God through scripture part is that Andy is going to lead that part and it's interactive. And so uh, as we read scripture, as you encounter what the scripture says about God, you can help teach, <laughs> uh, lead through Scripture, this Easter Sunday service. And so, uh, and so we invite your uh, interactivity this Easter, and um, so we're going to get started. And the, the best way to get started is to talk to God. And so uh, um, I'm going to uh, say a prayer, and then we're going to sing a song of prayer to prepare us to encounter God through His Word and to encounter why humanity needed a Savior on a cross. And so uh, let me pray uh, through a traditional mode of uh, speaking to God, and then we're going to all pray to God through song uh, with Keith Pipes leading. So let's bow and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word, the Holy Scriptures, are true. Uh, that they are true in the original languages and the original manuscripts. And Father, we thank you that, that large portions of those original manuscripts still exist, that you protected them over centuries and millennia so that biblical languages scholars could examine and translate from Hebrew and Aramaic and Syriac and Greek into our modern languages. And so, Father, we thank you for all the different translations of the Bible. And, and we, Father, appreciate the mystery and the cloud of mystery that, that you have protected Scripture over thousands of years and, and allowed us to, to have the Word of God alive and speaking in our lives through your Holy Spirit in our language. But Father, we also acknowledge that we need your Spirit to interpret the Scriptures, to understand the Scriptures, and, and to compare and contrast different translations and different scholarly studies of it. And, and Father, we appreciate the academic work that has gone into 
protecting and interpreting and teaching us these scriptures. But beyond all of those academics, Father, we know that your word and your spirit and then your people, the people of God, sharing the study and the reading and the application of your word is is all that we need. That we don't need an advanced degree. That we don't need some higher level of academic achievement to know you through your word, but that your spirit is powerful enough. The community of God's people coming together to study it is good enough. And so, Father, this morning, this Sunday morning, this Easter morning, for all of us, whether we're gathered here in person or gathered in our homes online, Father, we pray that you will open our hearts and open our minds to what you would have us learn about you and ourselves as we study Scripture together. We pray this and sing this in Jesus' name. Amen. morning. It's good to see you this morning. We're going to jump right into John chapter 20. Michael has prayed for us uh, that the Spirit would teach us right now from the Word of God. And if you want to be turning to John 20 in your Bibles or on your phones, tablets. And as I read 
John 20. I want you to be listening for what God is teaching us, what he's saying to you about who God is, first of all. The biggest truths that, that you could listen for this morning. God's nature, how he works, uh, how he acts, what he does, what he has done, how he interacts with his people. Truths about who God is. And then secondly, who we are. Like what God is revealing to us about us. And, and the reason that we want to encounter God in this way is because of what Easter is. <laughs> the resurrection of Jesus means that Jesus is alive. That this isn't just an ancient book, an ancient story, uh, a dead book, uh, a historical book, but that Jesus is alive today and he has things to say to us today, to teach us today, to speak to us today. And so we're going to read the Bible expecting that, anticipating that, asking for that, listening for that. And so as I read, be listening for those two things. What does this teach us about who God is? What does this teach us about who we are, and I'm going to ask you to share some of those. We're going to make a list, and we're going to work through the truths that God's teaching us this morning, and then Michael's going to come up and offer some application based on those truths. So John chapter 20, starting in verse 1, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, And said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lined with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, 
Even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. All right. I know there's lots of stuff that we could spend a lot of time on in there. But what stands out to you, what jumps out at you as you're listening to that read, as God's speaking to you, especially truths about who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit, and then also truths about us, uh, that you hear God revealing to you, who's going to be bold and start for us. Okay. Start with the truth about us. You don't have to see. To believe. And I was thinking about the way that Jesus phrases it. Jesus tells us true faith can believe without seeing. All right. What else stands out to you? Sorry, what was that? The tomb is empty? Jesus is alive. Jesus reveals himself. One of the hardest things for Michael and I as we were planning this morning was picking which resurrection account to read. Uh, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke overlap a lot, but we really, I had a hard time with not reading Matthew and not reading Luke. And then we were talking about reading John, and he had a hard time with us not reading Luke because everything we're saying, there's pieces of it that you, if you grab in Matthew, for example, the tomb is empty. It talks about how 
Even Jesus' enemies and the religious leaders don't deny that the tomb was empty. They just spread a report that the disciples stole his body. One way or the other, when you come to encounter Jesus, you have to deal with the fact that the tomb was empty. The question is, why was it empty? There's no argument at all. His body was not there. Of course, we say Jesus is alive. Every one of these accounts and and the, the eyewitness testimony after the resurrection are evidence that he was alive. But the tomb is empty, and then Jesus reveals himself. I was even... Uh, if we scroll down here real quickly as I was reading, when we get to the part where the disciple runs in, sees that Jesus isn't there, finally believes, verse 9, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. You know, he'd been teaching them this for years. They had uh, the Old Testament prophets, the whole Old Testament story as their Bible, telling them that the Messiah was going to die and rise again. And they had not understood. And then I was thinking of the account of Luke that we didn't read, where Jesus has to keep opening their minds to understand the scriptures, is the way Luke says at one time in chapter 24. And then another time he says, and he opened the scriptures to them. That Jesus has to reveal himself. Jesus has to open our minds to understand what he's teaching on a spiritual level, which is why we start with talk to God in this. To really say this is a spiritual exercise, that we are dependent on the Spirit to teach us spiritual truths with spiritual words, that we can stand in here all day and examine this text from a historical perspective, from an academic perspective, from an intellectual perspective, even from like an entertainment perspective or a this is what we do on Easter type perspective. This is what I do every I'm, I'm from the South and this is what I, there's all sorts of ways that you can come to study the Bible and not encounter God. That he has to open our eyes. He has to soften our hearts. That there is a work that he must do and he does it. That Jesus does reveal himself. Jesus does teach spiritual truth. Jesus does build his church and draw his people to himself and show us who he is, which is why we're asking right now, what's God saying to you? What else? Truths about God or about us? Okay. God gives us some of the evidence, but not all of the evidence. Or some of the information, but not all the information. Yeah. It can also be information. Down here, anytime I'm scrolling fast, you don't have to look at the screen if it makes you sick or something. <laughs> Verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written for a very specific purpose so that you may believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and, second reason, that by believing you may have life in his name. And kind of jumping on what Michael said here and building on it, that first of all, God gives us the information or the evidence that we need in order to believe in Jesus. He gives us what we need to know the truth about Jesus and to stir up faith inside of us that we would trust him the way that we should. That's one thing. Then the second thing that pops out of my mind is the idea of that he, there should be a humility in us that 
even as God teaches us and reveals things to us, we don't know it all. Partly just because he hasn't told us every single thing. Now, we can trust that everything that he'll ever tell us that he will reveal will be consistent with what he's already told us. But none of us come to this having all the information except for him. And it's one of the reasons it's so great for us to encounter God together in his word and for you to share the things that God's saying to you that you're seeing. Because there may be things that he reveals to you as part of the body that he intends for you to share with the rest of the body that I don't see in the exact same way because I'm standing here and you're sitting there and your perspective's a little different. And that he wants us to be interdependent, depending on one another, that, that none of us would be lone rangers, that none of us would think, yeah, I can do this on my own. You, you can't do this on your own. First of all, depending on Jesus to reveal himself. You need Jesus, and then you need Jesus' people. But then the third thing this also makes me think about right here is just the simple fact that Jesus is so great that there's no way that you could ever wrap your mind around everything he did just while he was on earth, let alone what he's done from the beginning until the end. Right? You think about the stories that we get in the Gospels, and then John's like, hey, by the way, everything that we've told you about Jesus, it's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> he did so much more. There's so much more that I could tell you about walking with Jesus for three years on earth in his ministry. And, and this is enough. This is enough for you to know who he is. This is enough for you to really believe that he's the son of God. But don't ever think that this is all he is. There's so much more to who he is. What else stands out to you? Truths about God or about us? Awesome. I'll start on my left. What was it? <laughs> Jesus gets behind locked doors. Jesus can get to you. <laughs> Wherever you are. That's another really good one. What was the other one? Perfect timing. Jesus pursues us. Let me park here for just a second. So if you go back and read the entire gospel account and you notice how many times Jesus tells them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. He's going to die and on the third day be raised to life. And they don't get it. And so he'll teach some more about what it really means to, to love others and lay your life down for others. Come, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and he's going to die. And on the third day he'll be raised up. How many times he told them in advance. You know, the, and, like, he's handpicked the 12. And he's got this crowd of disciples following him. And they've seen him. They've, they've seen the miracles. They've seen him raise other people from the dead. They, they've seen him just speak and stop storms. They've heard him for three years. And yet we come to this point... I want you to think about how much the disciples still did not believe him. He dies. He told them he was going to. He does. And what do they do? They run and hide. Are any of them expecting him to be alive? Like, I mean, I would say that it boggles my mind, but I know it's me. Like, I know that he tells me things, and I don't believe him even any more than they do. 
Like, I know how often he tells me the truth of the gospel and of his love and his grace and then how I live. Like, that can't be, not, not really. That can't really be what he means. And that, 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 that's them, right? That he dies and not just that they aren't anticipating, like, you know, if they believed him, like, all right, here's what's coming next. <laughs> be ready. Third, the morning of the third day, he's getting up. But it's not just that. It's not just that they aren't anticipating it. They run, they desert him, they run, they hide. And then when the tomb's empty, none of them are saying, oh yeah, <laughs> he said he was going to do this. Right? None of them believe. Mary Magdalene's like, where's his body? Why'd you carry him off, gardener? John and Peter, they, like, evidently Peter sees the empty tomb and still doesn't believe, which is why John says, so then I ran in and finally I started to believe. But I still didn't understand what the scripture said. Like the, the physical evidence wasn't enough. There had to be a spiritual work in their hearts. But then, even then, Jesus shows up and we find out in all these accounts, they think he's a ghost. Like they see him resurrected and they still don't believe what he said about, I was going to be resurrected. And it's not like, listen, it's not like any of them had any more faith than Thomas when you read this account. Like don't. We beat up on Thomas so bad. What happened with all the others the first time that Jesus shows up? He appears. He lets them right here. He showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. They got the exact same evidence that Thomas said he would need. And they didn't believe until they got the same evidence that Thomas needed to believe. It's not like they believed before Thomas. They just saw the resurrected Jesus with the nail marks in his hands, the, the spear hole in his side, they saw it, and then they believed. None of them, none of them believe until he keeps coming after. And, and my point right here with this is just simply, don't ever read this and think that it's about anybody other than Jesus. That our hope is not in these disciples. Our hope is not in followers of Jesus. Our hope is not in the leaders of the church. Our hope is not in the churches that we would build. Our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. And Jesus is so patient in his pursuit of us and so gracious in his pursuit of our hearts and so gracious and just continually coming back and prodding again and saying, believe me, believe me. Why would you still disbelieve? Do you, do you really still disbelieve? And so we see in him his patience, his grace. But then we also see, I think, in the disciples, if we come with humility, the truths about us, how hard-hearted we are in our sinful fallen state and how slow to believe. And then we see, praise God, that it does not depend on how fast we get it or how well we get it. It does not depend on how strong our faith is. It depends on him. It depends on his faithfulness. He said he was going to do this, so he did this. And he did it without their help at all. He did it without your help. He did it without my help. And then once he did it without anybody else's help, he didn't say, well, guess what? I did it without your help, so forget you. No, he chases them down. And he's like, I am who I said I am, and I love you the way that I said that I love you. Will you start believing me? All right, what else? If I don't be quiet, you don't get to talk, so. 
Jesus wants us to be at peace. Keep going. Because our hope is in Jesus. And Jesus offers us peace. A whole lot. (laughs) You're afraid. Peace be with you. You're still not getting it. Peace be with you. Eight days later, you're still, peace be with you. Believe. Believe and find peace in the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of what he's done. What other truths about God? God uses the least likely to deliver his uh message. First, Mary Magdalene, you can read about her sinful past and history and the way that she would have been rejected uh, in this culture. She's the one that delivers the disciples. And with the disciples, you think, Jesus handpicked these 12, these apostles, 11 now, that Judas is gone at this point in the story. And any of us, if we were going to handpick, I guarantee we're trying to pick the best. Like we're thinking, who's the Who's the most influential? Who's the most charismatic? Who's the most intelligent? Who's the most reliable? Who's the most faithful? Who's the most this, 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 and this? Jesus picks a group of guys that not a single one of them stand by him in his darkest hour. They all abandon him. They desert him. They're cowards. They're afraid. You know, Peter Peter denies him verbally, but he's just representing the rest of the group when he does that. And then, after they betray him in that way, they turn their back on him. He doesn't turn his back on them. He comes right back to them and says, now what am I going to do? I'm going to prepare you to build my church. No, no, I'm not writing you off. You're not disqualified as the guys who are going to lead the church. I'm going to get you ready now. People that we would never pick to start with. People that we would write off after their epic failure at the most important moment in the history of the world. And Jesus says, that's exactly who I'll use. It's why he'll use you today, this week. It's why he will use you to study the Bible this way with the people that he brings into your life, with your family, to start Bible study groups at work, to start a small church in your house, to meet with people and gather around the Word and say, we've got the Spirit, we've got the Word. Father, speak to the people of God together. Look, if he could use the disciples, he can use you. And if this is the type of people he chooses, that's really good news for us because we're this type of people. What else? Other truths about God that stand out to you? God's timing 
is perfect. We must be forgiving. Did you say forgiven or forgiving? Forgiving. To be at peace. Jesus gives his Holy Spirit to his people. And to go Spider-Man on you, right? He gives us great power with the Holy Spirit and also great responsibility that the Spirit of Jesus lives in you, that you would declare the gospel of the forgiveness of sins to people. And when you speak the truth that God forgives people's sins in this way, and they believe the gospel, they're forgiven. And if you withhold this truth from people, there is no other way for them to be forgiven. Like the hope that they would be set free from the penalty and the punishment for their sins, that hope has been given to you and me in the gospel by Jesus himself and his spirit lives in you for this purpose. Great, great spiritual power as the spirit of Christ lives in you and great responsibility for the eternal destiny of souls that are going to exist forever. What else? Mm. Jesus sends a blessing forward to those who have not seen and have believed. Usually it's really good practice when you read the Bible to realize whoever is in the uh, kind of the worst category, that's probably the person you should identify with in that story. (laughs) But this is one of those rare times. For those of you, those of us who believe in Jesus today, we do fall in this category. We didn't see him with our own two eyes. We didn't put our fingers where the nail marks were, our hand in his side. Uh, And he speaks grace and blessing to you for believing in him. One more. The explanation of what God does is better than an explanation. Oh, what God does is better than an explanation? Expand on that just a little bit for us while I write. Yeah, what God actually does is better than what we would come up with as our explanation. I like that. 
Anything else? You want to add one more? We have life in. Jesus' name. All right. For our next section, Michael's going to come up and walk us through the examine our heart time. Um, appreciate you for everything you just threw out. I'm going to look forward to keeping this one on my iPad. Um, and so now, what's God saying to our hearts right now? Go this way. It's powerful to read God's Word, isn't it? It's powerful. Um, it, it speaks to us. But it's even more powerful. You know, we're encouraged to read through Scripture and read through the Bible in a year. Um, almost like, a, like a, a marathon, a triathlon, a race to see uh, what you know, what we can accomplish, um, what we can, um, what we can put up on our, on our social media feeds and, <laughs> and, uh, and proclaim like, ah, I'm, look what I'm doing, look at the work that I'm doing, and reading scripture and going through from Genesis to Revelation is, is, is very helpful, but there's something about reading Scripture with other members of the body and asking these questions about who God is and who we are with and without Him, encountering God and encountering our own humanity. But then there comes the time where we need to, uh, well, we need to examine our hearts. We need to in light of these truths about who God is and who we are, um, who we're always going to be or who we should be, um, what do we need to do next? What do we need to confess? What do we need to hold to? Uh, what do we need to not only do, but what do we maybe need to not do and release to God? And so, from our study, um, not, pre-prepa- not pre-prepared, prepared or pre-prepared, um, from our study this morning, here are some of the things that you all have encouraged us to do in examining our hearts. First, do you have to see to believe? Are you... Likely, like the disciples, like Peter, like Thomas, where you have to see to believe. Now, you might already be a believer in Jesus and, and say, no, I've already believed. But that's just in the promise of a Savior. What about all of the other promises of God that God is going to provide for you more than the, the birds of the air? What about... God's love of the prodigal in your life? 
what about all of the rest of the promises of Scripture do you need to see to believe? Secondly, what area of your life is behind a locked door away, (laughs) away in quotes, from Jesus? All of us have areas of our lives, of our hearts, of our thought lives, of our, of our actions away from home or away from work, behind our figurative or literal locked doors, where we seem to fool ourselves that we can keep those areas of our lives locked away from Jesus. And yet Scripture tells us that no locked doors, in our study this morning, no locked doors can keep Jesus from us. That Jesus can not only see what we're doing, but hear what we're doing. Thomas, here are my hands, here are my sides. Wait, you heard that? Wait, you saw that? Examine your heart. What area of your life have you kept locked away when really you need to set aside that foolishness of a locked door and invite Jesus in or expel that doubt, that behavior, that thought life and expel it and replace it with the holiness of Jesus Thirdly, are you content with the information that God has given you? Eh, I need a little bit more. God, give me a sign. Here's a sign. God, give, give me another sign. Here's another sign. God, can you like let me write the sign? <laughs> it's like, And I hesitate to use this example because of all of our weather-related issues over the past year, but it's like the proverbial man in the house in the middle of the storm. God, rescue me. Guy in a four-wheel drive drives up. Come on. No, God's going to rescue me. Waters rise. Boat arrives. God's going to rescue me. Get on the roof. Helicopter. God's going to rescue me. Glub, glub, glub. Appears in heaven, asks God, God, why didn't you rescue me? I sent a car, I sent, I sent a truck, I sent a boat, I sent a helicopter. What <laughs> information do you need? Are you content with the information that God has given you that doesn't remove all of your faith but lets your faith thrive? The absence of of information means that we have to fill that absence with something and God asks us to fill it with faith in remembrance of all the times that he did show up, all the promises that he has fulfilled, all of the testimony of God's people. Are you ready in examining your heart In light of these truths this morning, are you ready to run to and then with Jesus? Don't forget that Jesus pursues us. (laughs) He pursues us. 
Jesus can get to you, locked door or not. But Jesus reveals himself to you. Jesus reveals himself to people that, as far as society was concerned then, were unreliable witnesses. God valued women and esteemed women far above what society did at the time entrusted women to testify and deliver the message of his resurrection. And what did the disciples do? Wow, that's great. No, Peter and another disciple go, eh, i got to see for myself. Are you ready to run to and run with Jesus because he's inviting you this morning And are you ready to be at peace with your life and with God, with the Son of God, Jesus? I don't know about you, but this past 12 months has not been a year of internal peace for me, for most of us. Why have we been uneasy Why have we been anxious and worried? It's because we haven't been at peace with Jesus. It's because we haven't remembered the promises of God and trusted the the truths in Scripture that God is the God of the storms. He's the God of pandemics. That He is in control. And that he uses storms, and he uses pandemics, and he uses financial situations and crises to do two things. To to get our attention and to bring himself glory by drawing us to him. There is peace in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus comes to give us us peace. And lastly, peace does not come without forgiveness. And you might say, you might say to yourself, well, I can't forgive that other person. They don't deserve peace. But the lie that is contained in that logic is that we will never feel at peace until we forgive. Forgiveness is ingesting a poison and expecting the other person. Unforgiveness is ingesting a poison and expecting the other person to die. That's what unforgiveness is. And yet we sometimes struggle with forgiving ourselves. I just can't forgive myself. I don't know about you, but for me, I beat myself up over mistake after mistake after mistake. If I say something wrong, if I don't think of the right thing to say in the moment, and I, oh, I wish I would, I beat myself up for not saying the right thing or doing the right thing. Sometimes our lack of feeling forgiven comes from those locked rooms that we learned about. 
We can't forgive ourselves for hiding this away. We can't forgive ourselves for things that are over and done with, that other people have forgiven us for. We can't forgive ourselves. And yet Jesus came not so that we could become our own saviors and our own forgivers, but he came to take all of that locked away junk in our lives and that we could set it at the foot of the cross, that he could take the blame, he could take the shame, he could take the punishment. Not so that we could forgive ourselves, but so that we could experience his forgiveness, that we could be made into new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone, anyone, I don't need your disclaimers of what your sin was. I don't need to hear your background or your story. If anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed away, crucified, dead, buried, not rising again. The old has passed away, Behold, the new has come. Resurrection. New life. Are you ready to be forgiven? I'm going to ask Andy to come back up because so far we have talked to God. We have encountered God and humanity and the truths about Him. Now we've examined our hearts in light of those truths And I want Andy now to close our time in study in talking to God again with those questions in mind and especially the most most important question, and that is, are you forgiven? So Andy, would you pray for us and with us? Let's pray together, and then we're going to worship together in song after that. So pray with me. Father, we thank you for the life, death, and we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for the grace that you offer us in Jesus, the hope that you give us in Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness that you pour out for us in Jesus. And I pray that right now, you will be at work in our hearts to see Jesus, to trust Jesus, to believe Jesus, to love Jesus, to worship Jesus, to follow Jesus. That we will run to Jesus. And then, Father, fill us with your spirit and build your church and pour out your power for your purposes so that in your strength and your power and your grace, we will run with Jesus. To all the things that you have planned and prepared for us as your people. For the things that you have told us and are telling us that we will believe you and we will run with you 
Lord, those things. And for the things that you haven't told us, the things that we don't know, that we don't see clearly, that we will trust you, that you're already there and you're good and that the same grace and love that you have for us in Jesus, that it endures forever and it will be there too and that we can run with you even when we don't see all the details. Because it's not the details that we trust, it's you. It's not the details that give us peace, it's you. And so we come to you right now. We come to you. And we trust you and we thank you. And we worship you. Strengthen our faith. Stir up more and more faith inside of us in response to your word. All because of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.